Ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, I thought we'd issue a little warning. There is some language in this show, and I don't want you to be embarrassed in front of your children, so I thought I'd give you the heads up, just in case. So, you've been warned. On with the show. I'm going to make them an offer, Cameron. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennec. Go ahead. Make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together, they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Best Movies You've Never Seen. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm a dedicated movie nerd. The reason this podcast exists, though, is because of my good friend Trevor Long, who hasn't seen really any movies, and we've uh, we've put a new movie to him every week. This week, it's Stand By Me, and we welcome my co-host, Trevor Long. How are you, mate? I've been standing by you for 10 years, uh, <laughs> but nothing... Longer Nothing than that. At all. We haven't been as adventurous as these young men, shall we say. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. But the movie yeah. we're talking about, of course, is Stand By Me, released in 1986. It was directed by Rob Reiner. Rob mm. Reiner, as you know, directed a recent movie we covered, A Few Good Men. Yes. This was based on the Stephen King novella. A novella is a short novel called The Body. Now, I've got a little bit of uh, info that might blow your mind here, Trev. Okay. This this novella was in the same volume of short stories as another short novel by Stephen King. So the, the book was called Different Seasons. There were four short novels in it. One right. was The Body. The other was Apt Pupil. And there was another one in there called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, what? So he, Stephen King also wrote the book, that the short novel that was based, that they based the Shawshank Redemption on. Wow. Well. So his batting average is pretty solid. See, if, again, I'm not, you see, this is the, we could, we could also have a podcast, the best books you've never read, because I've never read a book in my life, <laughs> which is, which is a whole other problem, right? But it's funny, because if you say Stephen King to me, I think, um, uh, like horrorish horror, kind of. Yeah, horror, you know, like Shining and Salem's and, Lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so that, yeah, that's why this that's why your um your question to me at the end of last episode about this it was like I feel like you're tricking me but I'm going to go with it 
But I, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. So the thing with Stephen King, I'm a massive fan of Stephen King. I've read, I've read everything he's written. He's a real great, he's a great writer for a start, but he's also really good at capturing small town feeling, oh. you know, small country towns, and and little that feeling of a, of a you know growing up in those sort of places. And this is just typical. I think this is kind of based on his his youth when he was growing up in in, in small town America. Well, I so, think if you look uh, at this honestly, if you look at this, anyone who's lived in the country or in a small town would look at this, and apart from the obvious, you know, core plot line of the of the dead body, um, I, I think it's highly relatable in many ways for people of that generation uh, and, 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 a, and a generation afterwards too. It's really only the current generation that I don't think can relate to this. And I'll go through that a bit when we, when we talk about the movie because I watched this with my 15-year-old. Oh, okay. And I thought to myself, he can't relate to this because he doesn't just go to a treehouse with his mates they certainly don't disappear for a day, you know, like it's a different world we live in now. They don't pull out the smokes either. And No, that was my first thing. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> don't forget, it's set in 1959, so, yeah. so it's a back of the day. Well, you know what? The, while, while the novella was a great starting point, the name of the novella was not. Right. So Columbia Pictures were worried that the body would, would be a, like a misleading title. Mm. Well, it so, is. Yeah, it sounded like, according to the screenwriter, Ray- Raynald Gideon, who uh, was nominated for an Oscar, actually, for adapting the screenplay, he said it sounded like either a sex film, a bodybuilding film, or another Stephen King horror film. Right. So and that makes person, sense. Especially if you put Stephen King next to it on a movie. It's like, what? Well, yeah, when it's based on the novel by Stephen King, yeah, you're thinking, you're probably thinking totally wrong about what it's about. But it's actually Rob Reiner who came to the rescue with the name. He's the one who suggested... Stand by me, which is the Ben E. King song. So you know, stand mm, yeah, by. Yeah, great song. Great here at the end credits. It's and in the start as well. Uh, it is too. Yeah, you're right. Very subtle in the start. It does. It does. Uh, that ended up being what they called the least unpopular option. So the best <laughs> of a bad bunch of choices of, of the movie. But and, and you know what? It it holds up because the it movie's does. about friendship, about these guys who are sort of they've they've got each other's back as as young kids. Spot on. Ooh. I like it. I think it's a yeah, great name. Excellent movie. There was a little bit of a wrinkle, though, before production. The The film's original production company was a company called Embassy Pictures. And Coca-Cola came along and bought out the company, bought Embassy Pictures. And they announced it wasn't going to fund Stand By Me. Two days before shooting was due to begin, they were told, we've just been acquired by Coca-Cola and they're going to pull the pin. They're not going to make the movie anymore. But what happened, Rob Reiner, uh, his friend, one of the co-owners of Embassy Pictures was a TV legend named Norman Lear, who Rob Reiner knew for his time. Remember, he was an actor before he was a director. He was doing All in the Family. Norman Lear, he sort of pulled the old mates act and says, mate, this is, this is my project. And Norman Lear apparently then funded the film with his own money. So he personally funded the eight million dollar budget for this film to be made. So it was, it was outside it was, of that embassy pictures. Outside project. of embassy pictures, even right. though he's a co-owner of the of the of the of the company, right. he decided, you know what? Here's eight mil. Go make your movie. Well, and I'm blind. I'm surprised they they had the four bottles of coke in it. Then should have put Pepsi. <laughs> well, no. Well, they they ended up having the coke in it, didn't they? <laughs> right. So you had you not seen? I remember last. No. Week, so what so I said Laura, last week. I remember Le- leeches and uh, leeches and a bridge. And the bridge, yes. The bridge, right. And it's funny because I, after Jackson and I watched it, um, his mum came home and she said, what have you been doing today? Have you been playing your bloody computer games? 
And she goes, he goes, no, I've been watching a movie with dad. And, and I said, have you seen Stand By Me? And she goes, I, I'm, I'm, I know of it, but I don't think I've ever watched it all. And I said, I'm exactly the same. So Leeches and The Bridge was all – and, in fact, went in watching it, that's all that I recalled from it as well. So I, I don't okay. have a memory of it. So let's say it was a first watch for you. So that was pretty good. Uh, the reaction I mentioned earlier that the Ray, Reynold Gideon was nominated for a Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar, so the one and only Oscar nomination. They did, they didn't win. Uh, but the the reaction to the movie, though, and what best, what better reaction could you get than from the author himself? Uh-huh. Now, Rob Reiner screened the movie for Stephen King. Wow, wouldn't that be nerve wracking? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But wow. he noticed that. And this is him saying this is on one of the extras of the of the of the disc. He said that Stephen King was visibly shaking and wasn't speaking. So I think he was really emotional when he was watching it. Mm-hmm. When he when he left the screening, he told Rob Reiner that it was the best movie adaptation of his work that he'd ever seen. Wow, pretty good endorsement, eh? From the from which the is creator. a bit cool because a novella. I mean, I've never read one, but I'm assuming that. I'm assuming with with a screenplay of a novella, you're actually filling in a lot of gaps. You're, yeah. well, you're expanding the movie. story, right? Yeah. Because it was a it was a shorter movie too. Remember, so it's about ninety minutes. Sure, movie but there's still but yeah, stuff no, yeah, in the movie that wasn't in the novella, right? And so that's a really big rubber stamp endorsement. Wow, massive, massive endorsement. Well, we're about to dive into Stand by Me. Hopefully, we won't get any leeches on us. But this is your last exit before the freeway. And if you haven't seen Stand by Me, I think maybe check out Fetch. And this was a fascinating one for me because, as I always do, I, I press the voice control on the remote and I ask the fetch box to offer me up the movie I'm looking for. So I said, stand by me. And it always says, um, your options, how am I going to watch this? You can rent it, you can buy it, and then it tells you whether it's available on any platforms you've got. Is it on Stan? Is it on Netflix? This one was on ABC iView. So you can watch this for free on ABC iView. And of course, ABC iView, 7 Plus, 9 Now, 10 All Access. They're all available on your Fetch Box. All the catch-up TV services uh, from the free-to-airs are available there, SBS On Demand as well. And so you can watch uh, Stand By Me in great quality, to be honest, on um, on ABC iView. The only thing I would say about it is it had ABC watermark through the whole thing, which is just you know standard <laughs> television practice. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, available on your Fetch Box. So if you're looking for catch-up TV movies, uh, to rent, to buy, or to stream through all the platforms. And remember, you get a fetch box on Seven, on Nine Now, on ABC, on SBS. There's a bunch of more free content for you to watch as well. So get yourself a fetch box from your internet provider uh, or through a major retailer. Okay, you're still on the freeway, which means you're ready to dive into the movie with us. But first of all, Trevor, now that you've kind of watched it completely, give us your impressions after that. Let's call it your first time watch. I find this um this is a fun one to talk about because it's so different to the last several we've watched because I think what you've what you've hit me with recently are essentially you know blockbusters you know pulp fiction avatar a few good men these are movies that you know big time and I look at this one and I go I call I, I describe this as a classic rather than a blockbuster because it's more of a just a classic piece of gem. film. I'll call it a gem, a little gem. Right, okay. Yeah. And I think that's a good description because I loved it. I loved watching it. I actually really loved kind of watching Jackson's reaction. How often was he looking at his phone versus, you know, uh, actually paying attention the, to the movie? the barometer? Phone views, only three during Stand By Me. With Mate, others were more that's a it? genuine barometer. And movie, wow. Saturday night movie night, when, when the kids pick a movie here, it's it's how much does mum look at her phone and how much Ooh. does dad look at his phone? Because if it's not does really that, that, 
Does that bother you when they look at their phone during a movie? It bothers me. Like I'm the one who wants them to enjoy. There's a difference, the- though, mate. We're in on a Saturday night movie. That's that's the night the kids get to stay up and they're choosing. You know, uh, we're watching Frozen and Toy Story, yeah, right. and you know these are movies I've seen yeah, thirty right. times. And you know, I'm not trying to dissect them like Pulp Fiction. Okay, so okay, let me be clear. I'm not talking about going to the cinema and looking at your phone. There's a very different thing. Okay. So, mate, I, I loved it. I, I thought um, I thought it's a very slow movie. Um, in reality, it's very slow, but that's that's there's a point to that. It's a yeah. It's a takeaway movie where you sit back and you go, that was, there's a lot of really interesting messaging in there. And I could watch it again and pick apart lovely little um, relationship messaging, you know, the vibe between the mates. It was so, it was so powerful. Really, really nice. How would you tweet this one? I would tweet this one by saying, you know, it's a flashback to, to simpler times, but an enjoyable look at boyhood relationships um, in, in, a, in a small country town. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think it, it's all about sort of the bonds you build with your friends when you're mm. you're a kid. You're sort of all growing up and discovering different things at the same time, and you you learn about you learn about what 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 you want to do in life. And what I loved about this movie though was that it's it's as you mentioned, it's it's not a lot happens in it. It's very much mm. a character driven movie. And you got to remember, these are kids. These are young actors who, uh, and we'll talk about later, sort of the casting process. But these are young actors who were were at the same age, or probably a little slightly younger than the characters they portrayed. So they were they were literally kids playing, almost playing themselves yeah. in a way. So that, that's what fascinated me. I'd read the novella too. I'd read the, read it way. I think of, I was. I think the novella only came out a few years before the movie was made. So I did actually catch the novella before, just before I think it was made, but it's been an all time favorite of mine. This is one of those movies that if I find it on TV, if I, if I think it, oh, yeah. it's a quick movie to watch. It's a 90 minute movie. Think, yeah, mm. I'll give this a crack. You know, if it's, so you can easily watch it. So, and I'm, and as I said, I'm a big fan of Stephen King. Uh, I've read all of his stuff. And actually, I actually didn't meet him. He came to Sydney one one time and did a, li- a live reading of uh, some a passage of his book. And I remember mm. I went along and um, he, he was he was in Australia, rode his motorbike, I think, from Sydney to Perth with a mate of his. And so it was fascinating meeting the bloke who I admired so much. But mm. let's move on to the cast. Uh, we mentioned yeah. how young the cast was, uh, led by Will Wheaton. He plays the young Gordy Lachance. Now, he was in Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fan of the Big Bang Theory, he plays himself in that a lot as well. Have you ever seen Big Bang Theory? Yeah, I have. He doesn't. It, it, <clears throat> the character doesn't come across at me, so yeah. I don't so remember if it. you, if you, because the reason he's in Big Big Bang Theory because they're all Star Trek nerds, mm. and so he plays himself in that. So, but he before he did Star Trek Next Generation, of course, he did stand. So by. he plays like. So you mean because I've watched a bit enough Big Bang to know they go to those Comic Con things and stuff. So he yes. plays like Will Wheaton as, as a, Will Wheaton. So they fanboy over him because he's in Star Trek. Correct. Correct. Right. No, they don't fanboy over him because he was in Stand By Me. Although you know what. Legitimate reasons to fanboy over him. Uh, Chris Chambers is played by River Phoenix. Now, River Phoenix, as you know, died in 1993, aged just 23. 23, yeah. And, and it's it's ironic that his character in this movie, that he's kind of reflects his real life. He was sort of a bit of a rebel, mm-hmm. uh, goes on to, to some degree of success and then dies at a young age, which is kind mm-hmm. of what Chris Chambers we see from the opening frames when he's sitting in the car. We read a newspaper story about what happened there. But it's, see, that's the great thing about that I loved about this movie, which we'll get into, but I, I love the fact that it's actually 
there's a huge question at the start and then there's this sadness at the end. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's a fascinating thing about the River Phoenix story because it's, it's tragic. Well, if you've seen Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, he was in that opening scene. He played a young Indiana Jones. Right. You, have you seen The Last Crusade? Remember, they, they he gets chased through the train and there's all snakes and animals in the Indiana train. Indiana Jones, all I've got is a hat and a big boulder. Yeah, that's River Phoenix. That's River Phoenix is playing a young Indiana Jones. Corey Feldman played Teddy Duchamp. He was in Lost Boys and Licensed as Rifle. He's a very recognisable yeah. character, isn't he? The he's 80s, got a very uh, yeah. unique face. Yeah, he was an 80s uh, kid, kid actor and mm-hmm. made a few movies. Jerry O'Connell played Vern Tessio. And I think I'm going to blow your mind here, Trev. Mm. Have you seen Jerry Maguire? Yeah, uh, movie yes. with uh, with uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise, yeah. Do you remember the the player Cushman, who's the real red hot um, draft pick? Yes, I do. Because you know what That's happened it. yesterday yeah, while yeah. I was watching this, I googled the actors in this because I'm going, which one's River Phoenix and which ones? Like, I couldn't work it out. And so Corey Feldman was the one that I I, I thought he was a different person uh, in terms of identifying actors. And then when I'm looking at Vern, I'm thinking that little fat kid grew up to be a completely yeah. different. Did he ever? Yeah, yeah. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that was his very first movie, well, Stand By Me, very first acting role. The other major part of the movie is Kiefer Sutherland, who plays oh, Ace yeah. Earl. Yes. When so- he walked out, I went, oh, my God, it's Jack Bauer. <laughs> That's right. He was in Lost Boys, Young Guns, Flatliners, and, of course, 24, and Designated Survivor more recently yeah, as well. Yeah. Before we get through the run-through, I just want to just give you a little shout-out from our other sponsor, Hisense. These are the movies that we talk about. If, if you want to really enjoy the movies, you need to watch it on a great TV, like the Hisense range of televisions. It's all about great audio quality, great video quality, and providing a fantastic experience, and Hisense can do that. They've got a range of televisions. Size is going up to 85 inches. We know it's a go big or go home society we're living in, and Trevor's got an 85-inch Hisense TV, and he watches all of these movies on that television. They've got they're available in 4K, 8K. They're available in sizes up to 85 inch. They do have 75, 65, but we suggest go big or go home. They've got quantum dot color. They've also got Dolby Vision, so they look great, and Dolby Atmos, so they sound great as well to provide the whole experience. They're also running the VDAR U5 smart TV operating system, so really easy to get to your favorite content. To find these movies really easily, no matter what streaming services you've subscribed to, you can enjoy it in great quality on a Hisense TV. And all Hisense TVs come with a three-year warranty to give you added peace of mind. So if it's quality you want, Check out the Hisense range of TVs at hisense.com.au. Are you ready, Trev? Rock and We're roll. We're going to set out on our journey to to find young Ray Brower. Starts off by, you know, did you were you a little bit sort of thinking, what the hell is going on here? It starts really static, like car. See, the like, thing is, the thing about this intro is, I felt it, it would be a really good thing to watch again now because I want to now pause on the newspaper report because you've got a guy sitting on the side of the road. I don't remember this old guy being in the movie. I remember the movie being about, you know, young kids. And you're thinking, well, okay, so the kids that rode past him on bikes, is that them? Um, and then he's looking at a newspaper. What's the relevance of this lawyer being shot? I, I like killed? I don't, like, I don't understand. So it's very is, much, yeah, you know, he, I, I, he, that, that establishment of him as a narrator is is great but it, it's a go back to to understand what was going on in that moment it's really well and done i think i think too you mentioned the narrator i reckon this is one of the best movies the best movie use of a narrator the narrator yeah, I, I, adds I so it, much to because it's because you've got to remember the and spoiler alert 
Gordy is the narrator as an yeah. adult. So mm-hmm. he's sort of looking back at this amazing time of his life. And so it's the memory of, of what we hear is spurred by that newspaper report. About I think Chris the narration Chambers. is brilliant because there's a lot of great uh, scripting and there's a lot of great acting in this, but I think to fill the gaps and to you know add the thought, and I think because a lot of the – the childhood part of this, you know, from Gordy's perspective is what he was thinking at the time, not what he said or did. And, um, and that's what I love about it. I, th- I think you're right. It's a really good use of narration as opposed to narrating the whole thing. It's a, it's a subtle, um, yeah, it's not, piece it's not of overdone. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's only when necessary, like the characters speak for themselves for most of the yeah. movie. But, uh, I do love it. How he starts off by saying, uh, when he was 12 going on 13, it was the first time I saw a dead human being. So it was mm. all the way, you're thinking, hang on, what the hell, what's all Going this about? Here, yeah. Summer of 1959 in a little town called Castle Rock. Is that, is that name familiar to you? Uh, oh, I mean, uh, isn't it a um, uh, movie or a production house or something? Yeah, well, Rob Reiner's production. After after uh. these movies, he decided he, he's, uh, his uh, – his promote production company is going to be called Castle Rock. That's he yeah. named it after the towns because <laughs> Stephen King often sets his town his stories in Maine. Castle Rock's been the the location for many different movies, many different uh, books that he's made. Okay. Uh, next thing we see is uh, the treehouse. Cool treehouse. There are uh, yeah, it is. How's that for a flashback though? And this is yeah. this is that first moment of you know sitting here with a fifteen year old going, you've never even thought about building a treehouse, have you, buddy? You know, like it's. Like as a kid, we you know we didn't have one at our place, but my nana's place there was a bit tr- big tree in the backyard, and our uncles built a treehouse for us, and there was a ladder to get up. But it was so you had as one. elaborate as this one, but it was you had one as a kid. You did have one at nana's place. Yeah, it was oh, awesome. No, we never had a treehouse. We had a cubby house, a cubby house. So there's a okay. little spot we used to go. It was a little little place. Uh, so yeah, we 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 see these these the the friends there. They're smoking, playing cards. They've they've got a secret knock. We we we. I love how the narrator uh, Gordy to introduce us to the characters. We meet Teddy mm. Champ, and we we find out he's old man's crackers, and he's got he held his ear to the stove. So you constantly you see uh, you notice his ears sort of all yeah. burnt, and um and then uh, we we meet Chris Chambers, played by River Phoenix, and we we find out he's from a a family who's got a pretty bad reputation. They're, they're criminals and they, they've got a bad name. In the they're team. also, this is the point where they're smoking. But the, the brilliant thing I thought about the Chris Chambers character was um, how do you establish a kid as a bad boy, right? Okay, you give him a bit of a crew cut haircut for a start. You put him in a white um, T-shirt and you put a pack of cigarettes in his, in his in arm his, and you roll it, it up. and Because that's, that's the bad Lee. boy look, right? Yeah, that's right. So well done. That's excellent. And then uh, Vern then knocks on the door, remember, and uh, Gordy's already in there. Vern knocks on the door and, they, and he can't yeah, that's not the secret knock. Goes, yeah, can't remember. I can't remember. They go, Vern, and they let him in anyway. <laughs> but then he tells them about, do you want to go see a dead body? <laughs> he heard the story, though. He was under his porch looking for his pennies. At the beginning of the school year, he had buried a quart jar of pennies underneath his house. He drew a treasure map so he could find them again. A week later, his mom cleaned out his room and threw away the map. <laughs> Vern had been trying to find those pennies for nine months. So while he's under the... Great shot, the, by the way. This yeah, little so kid holes underneath under the, the house. And there's <laughs> holes every 50 centimetres. Was it, what does he say? It would be buried a quart of pennies. So a quart of quite, pennies. Quite a bit of money, eh? It'd be a lot well, of money. I don't know. What's a quart? 
a quart's like a like a milk bottle. It's like a quarter, like a liter bottle of of a liter bottle. Well, see, it, it, today I'd be thinking it's not a lot of money because a penny's one cent, right? But then you realize their their dollar, their two dollars got them a few, like yeah, yeah. four bread rolls, some ham, and, and stuff, so, right. and four coke. So you know, it's actually good money. Yeah, but so they the, the what he hears under the deck, he he's hearing about this story about Ray Brower. We had all followed the Ray Brower story very closely because he was a kid our age. Three days before, he had gone out to pick blueberries, and nobody'd seen him since. I think we should tell the cops. Yeah, don't go squawking to the cops after you boosted a car, you idiot. They're going to want to know how the hell we got way out on Back Harlow Road. So we immediately know mm. there's he, – I can't find his pennies, but there's this young kid, and as he said, they've been following the story. And – and yeah, yeah, we can all relate to this. It's like a missing persons case, right? Yeah, Back right. in the day, and this is also a really cool theme within across it is obviously it's made in the eighties, which is still current, but it's also set in the fifties. But the there's newspapers, there's comic books, and there's a radio. And the radio is actually a common theme through it, which is, you know, I'm a radio guy. So, you know, that's how they follow the story. They actually reference that throughout it, you know. It's that's how yeah. they know about this kid being missing. Uh, they they established too. They they try to speculate on how he got out to Back Harlow Road, what mm. he might have been doing, and then they have a plan. Hey, hey, you guys! I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. So that's kind of set, sets the ball in motion. They make yeah. a plan, and they they talk about, look, can you camp out tonight? Can you do this? And I uh, love that little that, that little um moment of plotting and planning it's not really plotting it's just what see again this goes to the generational gap right my son wouldn't leave the house without checking can i go here i'm doing this and here's where i'm going whereas back in the day even us as kids um you'd just be like see mum and she'd be like be back for dinner and going back to the 50s it was like do you think i could get away with telling mum i'm going to your place da, da, da. and they they made a plan very strategically to yeah, be away yeah. for essentially 36 hours. It was so well done. It was so cool. Chris Chambers even said, oh, look, it's worth a hiding. I'm going to get a hiding anyway, but it's worth a hiding to go, <laughs> to go on this adventure. Uh, so we next move along and just find a little bit more about Gordy's background. He yeah. said he, he sort of, we, we discover that his brother Dennis had been killed in a Jeep accident four months earlier. And he was like this star footballer mm. uh, who uh, tragically was killed in an accident. But we do establish, and Dennis is played um, by John Cusack as well. John Cusack, you might have recognised yep. from other films. Uh, he, he, the flashbacks are really touching because he's obviously a really nice big brother. Yeah. Hey, Gordy, I got something for you. This, my friend, is for you. This is your Yankee cap. No, 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 this is your Yankee cap. It's good luck cap. You wear that cap, you know how many fish we're going to catch? How much? Brazilian. Brazilian fish. It looks good on you, too, just like that. Hey, Mom, good boy. Hey, don't start with me, porcupine. Come here. Come here. Give me a hug. So it, Great. Was I mean, honestly, those yeah. flashbacks in, in Gordy's family make the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because it sets he, a real emotion for Gordy. And, and it also there's a lot about, you know, seeing a dead body and the death part of, of the story for yeah. him that, that's pretty pretty critical. And also then there's the the father-son relationship, which you get a hint of in that first scene um, because his dad kind of just blanks him, even though he's clearly yeah. – his dad walks in on him finding his, his canteen, his water bottle in his brother's room, and he doesn't say, get out. He doesn't, doesn't – he just – he just, and he doesn't also say, oh, it's, you know, it's tough here. You know, this is your brother's room. He just tells him to move on. Like, it, it's yeah. – you, you can see a very clear 
uh, gap in the emotion from his father. It's just yeah, sad. there's obviously uh, he he called he describes himself as the invisible boy because his yeah. parents really weren't paying attention. But he also he also in that scene the dad says, "Why can't you have friends like Denny's?" And he says, "Oh, my friends are pretty good." And then he goes, "Oh, the thief and the other thief." And so uh, immediately we know there's tension between. That's where the dad the man. dad says Chris stole the milk money at school, which is again yeah. you think about it. Like we know, I know now of kids who got suspended for something or other, like parents talk, right? And so you can imagine back in the day, kids stole the milk money. It's probably five bucks or two two dollars or something across the classroom. That would get back and that would get among the parents. So this kid's got a bad rap, but Gordy oh, sees him as a mate. Affects his rep- reputation. But next, next thing, we uh, they're off. They're off on their adventure. They're off to find a body. Uh, he meets Chris. But then he says, "Look, come, come here. I want to show you something." And he, he pulls out his gun that he that he grabbed from his father's bureau. Where'd you get this? Pocket from my old man's bureau. It's forty-five. I can see that. You got shells for it? Yeah. Took all that was left in the box. My dad don't think that he used them himself, shooting at beer cans while he was drunk. <laughs> How do you think I am? Forty, Daddy, forty, legit. Hey, who did that? Who's letting cherry bombs off out here? <laughs> oh man, you should have seen your face. Damn, that was cool. That was really fine. You knew it was loaded, you wet end. I'm gonna be in trouble now. That Tupper babe saw me. Shit, Gordy, she thought it was firecrackers. I don't care. That was a mean trick, Chris. Hey, Gordy. I didn't know it was loaded. Honest. You swear? Yeah, I swear. On your mother's name? Yeah. So we. <laughs> I love how he when he's running away. He goes, Gordy, the chance. That was Gordy, the chance. He's <laughs> 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 a bit of a. Bit of a G up artist back back then, but the next thing they do, remember they come they come around the corner and they bump mm. into Ace and Chris Chambers' older brother Eyeball. Yeah, and uh, remember a minute ago we'd seen that his brother gave him the Yankees cap, so it's something that's obviously very special to Gordy, and the bastard takes it off him. I think this is an interesting one because there's the you know there's the there's essentially a little fight and the, and they they move on, but. He does walk away with the cap. Like I, I, I feel like that's one of the saddest moments of the movie because he walks away with this kid's cap and he doesn't think of it as anything other than a cap, but it's a really important thing to Gordy and I think it's quite sad. Yeah, it doesn't even wear it. He just holds it. I think he gives it to – didn't want to even put it on his head. I think he no, he puts it on the other – the other bloke put it on backwards. Yeah, there so you go. When he walks yeah, away, yeah. you see the Yankees logo. So the kids are on their way uh, and – Vern announces that he bought a comb with him. I thought that was quite funny. He goes, look, we, we want to look good on TV. So he goes, we, and then they, they start, they, they, I love how they sing and have gun, we'll travel as they're walking along the tracks. And then they discover, though, that they've got no food. Idiots. And the Vern's saying, he goes, I remember the comb. He goes, oh, great, you remember the comb, but we've got no bloody food. So they, they pool their money together. They work out they've got $2.37. And uh, they think, okay, we're going to go. But then they hear a train coming. And what did you think of this when Teddy – who he's, the, the, it's been established that his old man's a little bit loopy, yeah. wants to dodge the train. Look, I he, won't lie, this this felt quite relatable to me. Not that we ever played chicken with trains, but like I, I grew up in a country town where there were a few freight trains and, and things come through. And we would, we would what well, we as kids, we called it jumping trains. Because trains, when they come along a track, 
uh, on a straight track, they're going fast, but when there's a turn, they have to slow down a lot. So you'd, you'd stand way back from the turn and they'd slow a lot and you could jump up on them and you'd jump up on a, on a freight train. It was just what we did. So mucking around with trains in the 50s seemed like nothing else. Like it just yeah, seemed like course. the way to go. Right. So um, I think what one of the things that he said uh, about he got, it'll be like storming the beach at Normandy. I think he, despite his old man being, obviously something's happened to him mentally, he yeah. did. He he was an army hero. He he stormed the beach at Normandy. He was there on D Day. Yeah. So I think Teddy still got a bit of respect for his old man that he was a that he fought in a war. Is he he that was sort of a part of him that they really respected. But the the fight that Chris and and Teddy have here, memory Chris drags him off the off the track and after they're arguing, he goes, "Come on, skin it." He goes, "I want to be still. I want to be your friend, even though we've had a little mm. argument." So yeah, I and they, that that, shows... that, again, that's a nice little theme throughout it, right? Is is they all they have these clashes as individuals, even um, even Teddy when he picks on Vern at points, the they pick on each other and they pick on Vern a bit more than anyone else because he's the you know, he's a little fat kid basically, but they always you know there's always a tap on the shoulder or something. You know what I mean? There's always that kind of makeup. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, it just goes to show. I think, I think Chris sort of demonstrates he, he he's the more mature one of the group, and Gordy, Gordy, and Chris seem to be the the two smarter, more mature kids. Whereas Teddy and Vern are the, the screw ups and the jokers of the group. The mm. next scene we see is Ace, Charlie, and Billy then in the car playing. Did you do this in a country town, mate? No. Mailbox baseball. No, mate. No. They're knocking mailboxes <laughs> off posts with a baseball bat. So that was pretty funny. It was funny um, because there's different rules to it, right? If the if the if the uh, mailbox doesn't come cleanly off, it's a foul. If you miss, it's a strike. Like it's a it's a legit game for them. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, maybe uh, something to try in a, in a couple more. Maybe not. You shouldn't be encouraging hooliganism uh, <laughs> like Good that. Good luck getting close to a, a a mailbox from a car window in the big city. <laughs> yeah, of course you need a convertible, okay, to play to play uh, mailbox baseball there. But then we get to the junkyard, and um, the junkyard, I think, was was that a shortcut they had through the junkyard, and there was a... No, the, the reason they had to go to the junkyard was because they, they needed to stop for clean water, and Gordy's dad had told him that their, the well in the junkyard was clean drinking water. Okay. So they so went there, essentially, to restore their canteens. It was also near the shop where they had to buy the burgers from as well, and I liked how they get there, and the the legend of chopper the dog you know was that they they guys now he goes the, the the owner apparently had been training him not to sick but to sick balls, to yell, sick balls and, you know, any kid was worried about what that meant <laughs> so they were uh they 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 sat down there and they decided look i'm going to flip we're going to flip to see who gets uh, who goes to buy the, mm. the, the food um and they flip gordy loses um and they uh, what I liked about it, one of the part of the uh, the commentary, the, the narration was um, degrading your friend's mother was always held in high regard. You'd always sort of, if you, if you can make a, <laughs> if you can insult someone's mother, it was kind of a, like, oh, that's a good joke. Yeah, I'll pay that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, he's off to the store. And when he's there, he's asked by the store owner, he goes, oh, you, you're, uh, you're Dennis Le, Lechance's brother, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. So he has another flashback about his bro. Dennis. When you're out there tomorrow. Pop, did you read the story that Gordy wrote? Gordy wrote a story. It was really good. What did you write, sweetheart? I see. That's what I'm talking about. Football takes concentration. You start in on the girls and his mind's all over the place. Darby, right. I don't know how many I really like That was great. So you, you see Another straight away, moment, honestly. his brother really was a like really loving big brother and encouraged him. He loved his story. Even though his old man ignored him, he was focused on Dennis and... And but yeah. Dennis still had the time 
it's tragic that he's that he's not around, and this obviously deeply affected Gordy throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and we'll see later on sort of what his reaction to finding Ray Brow. But I love it when he comes back to get the food with the food, and he sees they've all gone. Mm. So he's thinking, we're looking around, we're thinking, where where are they? And you, you see him return the corner. I love this long shot. You see him looking at the fence, and the the his mates are all climbing the fence and getting over. Mm. And then over his shoulder, you you hear the owner of the junkyard. It's a really well it's a really well shot piece, isn't it? Because you've got that long shot of the boys, and then the reverse over his shoulder, but still at a distance, is the owner of the junkyard. But his worst nightmares come to fruition here. You, you, come back here, come back here, God damn it! I'll stick my dog on you. Run, Gordy! Run, Gordy! Come on, Gordy! Sick him, boy. Now he said sick him, boy, but what I heard was chopper sick balls. And the best part is the dog runs up to the fence, you know, <laughs> basically sits at the fence, and it's just a little – it's a little family pet. It's hardly a, yeah. bloody, a menacing animal, right? It's brilliant. He, he says, oh, I was my first lesson in myth versus reality. That's true, right. yeah. Good line. But I did love the fact when when, um, when the owner of the junkyard owner, I don't remember his name, comes to the fence, and he goes, stop teasing the dog. But then he he, he, he knows he, – he points to all of them. He goes, I know all of your families. You little tin weasel, peckerwood loony son. Did you call me? I know who you are. You're Teddy Duchamp. Your dad's a loony. A loony up in the nut house in Togas. He took your ear and he put it to a stove and he burnt it off. My father stormed the beach in Normandy. He's crazier than a shithouse rat. No wonder you're acting the way you are with a loony for a father. You call my dad a loony again and I'll kill you. Looney, looney, looney. Ah! I'm going to rip your head off and shut down your neck! <laughs> it's a great, two great lines there. Time you've never heard that? Shit down your neck, rip off your head and shit yeah, down your neck. Yeah, crazier than a shithouse rat, and I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck. Such a, two great lines. Oh, that was great. And it was, and he, I think he said, he goes, I know who you are, I know who you are, you're going to hear from, I'm going to talk to all of your fathers. And but they were trying to then like obviously Teddy was very upset about it. And yeah. He insulted his father, and I think Gordy mentioned he goes like he goes his father preaching like shit, and he's upset that someone insulted him. He goes, my dad hasn't laid a finger on on me, and I only give a shit yeah. about him. Sort of. And thing. I think what's fascinating here is again this is another one of there's so many of these moments in the movie. This is one of those moments where they come together as mates, yeah. and they they put their arm around Teddy, and they go, but he's he stormed Normandy like. They reassure yeah, what did that him. Guy ever do? Yeah, don't let him. They insult. reassure him that, despite the fact that his dad's clearly an asshole and a loon, they reassure him that he's a hero. Like it's this this brilliant. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, mateship. What a, what makes that moment even better is Teddy turns around and says, "Look, I'm really sorry if I'm spoiling everybody's good time." You know, he got, he got upset. Yeah. He goes, oh, "Come on, mate. You know, it's all good." So, yeah. um, that was a lovely scene. Next thing we see are the, the hoods hanging out again, and one of them's getting their na- a name scratched in his arms. Cobra, that? yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of got a – It's, got a it's, like, it's like their gang name, Cobra, and two of them are doing it. There's two two of them yeah. scratching with a razor blade, so as if trying to tattoo themselves, but they're just carving Scar- Cobra. Them. So it yeah. says Cobra, and then the A loops around in, in a kind of snake at the end. Ouch. Uh, but they hear on the radio um, the news break about Ray Brower, and, and, and they're talking about, you know, what's the big deal? Who cares about it? Because and the two so, boys, the two boys that have seen the body, are trying to hold it to themselves, yeah. and one of them's trying to trying to make a deal, and the other one's trying to shut him up without actually being together. It's a, it's yeah. it's really it's kind of well done. <laughs> so Ace, Ace says, "Yeah, what's the big deal?" And that they 
you, you, you then see that the 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 thought the seeds being planted about what they might be might be doing. Next thing we see those Gordy and Chris, and this is a scene I think where it's kind of like Gordy sort of saying, "Look, you know, do you think I'm weird?" Like uh, he he sort of has a heart to heart with Chris about it, um, and talks about um, losing, new, getting new friends. He, at school. He, he doesn't want to lose touch with his mates. He goes, "What do you guess? What do you mean?" He goes, "We're going to be in the shop. You're going to be a great rider." He goes, "Forget us. Just do what you want." And he and he says, "He goes, what's so?" He goes, "Don't be an asshole." He goes, "What's so asshole about wanting to be with your friends?" And he said, yeah. Look, "You could be a real rider. Like, what are you doing?" And then he said, and he said, no, it's stupid. And then Chris says, yes, that's your dad talking. He goes, yeah. yes, I wish I was your dad because I'd make you focus on this to something that you're really good at. It's such a, again, it mate, whew, it's a, you know, it's a breathtaking scene because you, you're thinking, and it's, it actually, it's one of those moments where you kind of forget you're watching a movie. It's like, you're really watching 14, 13, 12, 13 year old boys. But, you know, to think that a 12 or 13 year old boy who's had a rough time could have the presence of mind to, Encourage his mate to follow his dream and be good at what he wants to do, um, and basically abandon his friends because that's the right thing to do. It's just, mate, yeah. it's such a great yeah, piece Chris, because of everything that happens. Chris tells him like God gave you something. He goes all those stories you can make up. Yeah, you know? so he he's Chris. I, I wrote in my notes here is wise beyond his years. He's kind it, of it's a, the moment where you yeah. realize Chris. Why Chris is um, what do you say? Like born into the wrong family or whatever. But you know he's. He's stuck in a in a in a place in life that he needs to break out of, but you realise that he could because he's clearly not an idiot. He's yeah, clearly not a thug him. at heart. He's clearly not an idiot, and that's what you learn about these kids every step of the way. So next we come to the scene that you remembered even before you watched it. This time was the bridge crossing the yeah. bridge. Uh, they, they talk or they discuss. Oh, you know, if we if we don't cross the bridge, it's five miles down the river and five miles back, and um. um uh, Teddy says, look, I'll be crossing here. He goes, this will be 10 minutes. He goes, if you go, want to go down the river, I'll be waiting for you, relaxing with my thoughts. And I think one of the insults was, he goes, do you do that with your left hand or your right hand? I think someone, <laughs> someone, uh, but they start crossing the bridge and Vern drops the cone. Do you remember that scene? He's looking, it's, a great, it's, like it's a great thing because it, it, it links back again. It links back a silly moment earlier. And, and to Vern, that's, that's the end of the world. But it also, the critical thing about the – Again, this is what I'm loving about, you know, analysing a movie is it's not just he lost the comb that he brought and he thought that was a thing. It's he lost the comb. He looked down. He saw how far it was. And you saw the comb fall pretty much all the way to the water. So you get a sense of scale. It's about presenting that this is not just a little bridge over a river. This is a very big bridge. And if they fall, if they need to jump, it's 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 not possible. They've got a fair way to cross and it's a fair way down. And um, I think what, it was um, Gordy and Verna hanging back and it was it was Teddy and Chris were up ahead. And the worst fear, of course, is that if a train comes while you're on the bridge and yeah. what happens? A train comes while they're on the bridge. So yeah. the, um, Chris and, and Teddy have, have crossed the bridge already. Now, did you notice the... The when they were running across the bridge, there was a scene, and I, 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 it was an obvious green screen that sort of. Yeah, there, there was, there was only one bit that was super obvious green screen. Yeah, but there was another part though. I got a little note here that when do you remember the the um, there was a head on, there was like a front on shot, yes. trains behind them, and you yes. could see Gordy and Vern. The train was actually there while they were shooting. What what they did, the train was at the far end of the bridge. And the two actors were in the foreground, but they used a 600 millimeter long focus lens that was shot at the telephoto end, so that it could compress, it squashed the image down, so that it made the look 
the train look a lot closer than what it was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. There, there was it, while there was a bit that looked like a dead set green screen, there was the train was actually behind them in look, that. In terms of picking apart this scene, it's it's over. You shouldn't because it doesn't matter. It, the the point of the the scene is is critical. But there's a lot of plot holes in this scene. Like, firstly, it's a very wide bridge, mate. You could have just lie down on the edge and. You would have been okay. Maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> secondly, when they're shooting from the front and they're running, they're clearly not running those big gaps that are in the bridge because yeah. the, the sleeper gaps. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think that, you know, pulling it apart, you could do that. But mate, I, I still have that sense. The other part is when they jump off, they jump off before the edge of the bridge, the actual ending. And, mate, how did they not break an arm? Because there was rocks and everything down there. Yeah, it was, no, it was long. Yeah, <laughs> took a bit of license there. But yeah. there was, though, that look of fear on their faces was genuine. Yeah, right. Apparently, Rob Reiner wanted to really get them to, to be scared, and he yelled at them really hard before the scene. And they were they were terrified that, okay, geez, we're going to do this. That was really look of fear on their faces. For me, the other part was the train was actually going quite slow. You could have easily just jumped on it, frankly. But anyway. Oh, you mean jump like stopped and jumped on the front of it? Or on the you, side you could have run along and, and just jumped and it and it would have picked you up basically. It wasn't you going that have, fast in the side shots. Are you talking from experience here, mate? Have you done this as a kid or not not I wouldn't haven't jumped on a train from the front, but from the back you could easily have caught uh, it. Okay, there you go. So Trevor was a train robber as a kid. Just <laughs> mate, just jumping trains, mate. Hey, what jump, jumping trains. That's what you did, eh? And uh, where was it? Griffith. At Griffith, yep. Good luck to you. I think okay, the statute yeah. limitations on that has ended. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right, so next scene is it's nightfall now. They're cooking the burgers that they've uh, they brought along, and uh, they're having a smoke. And they're uh, they ask Gordo to tell them a story, but not a horror story. I think Fern goes, <laughs> "This no, is a funny part of the movie." Yeah, this is don't a really a strange story. part, you know. Yeah, but I think it it just it really illustrates though that what a what a storyteller he is, and, and yes. it's it's he for him to make up up a story like this, and. The story's about Lardas, who he, he enters a pie-eating contest, and the whole objective was for him to get his revenge. He was always sort of getting picked on, and uh, the, the story really took a twist. Suddenly, Lardas opened his mouth, and before Bill Travis knew it, he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries. The women in the audience screamed. Boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barfed on Principal Wiggins. Principal Wiggins barfed on a lumberjack that was sitting next to him. Mayor Grundy barfed on his wife's tits. But when the smell hit the crowd, that's when Lardass' plan really started to work. Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the benevolent order of antelopes. So it was a complete barfarama. It's a described. funny thing. I mean, it's just, it's a great kid's story. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a great fun thing to in- integrate into it because it's, it's a... It's, Takes you out of it for a second, doesn't it? Yes, because like, yeah, I, yeah. I actually for a moment there I went, what What's going on here? Why is this happening? Like I kind of took a second guess, and then they cut back to Gordy telling the story around the campfire, and you go, okay, that's right. He's yeah, telling he was a story. writing the whole time. He was narrating. No, no, because was because yeah. the, one of the reasons was because the the fat boy Lardass actually looked a bit like Vern, like in his face. So I'm thinking, is this an older Vern? Like, is this a flash forward? I I, I lost myself in the story a bit. It was cool. It's a story that he made up, mate. And um, so, what? What uh, they they started hearing the coyotes, remember? And uh, yeah, 
I loved how Teddy was was scaring Vern. He goes, maybe it's Ray Brower's ghost. He goes, stop it. Don't talk that way. <laughs> I, I like that when they decide they're going to take turns to at watch, right? They've got the gun. Uh, I think Teddy went first, but he was making all these bloody noises and he was keeping the boys up. But then when, <laughs> when Vern's on watch, so Teddy's just standing there with the gun, right? He's just standing at the tree looking around or whatever. And then when Vern's on watch, it's just, Looking each way, looking everywhere. Look, yeah, it's a great, it's a great picture of the two boys, right? It's a great yeah. indication of how they both are different. But then Gordy's uh, on, he's sleeping, and Chris is next to him, and so Gordy's having a nightmare. Yeah, you see the nightmare he's having. The nightmare is that he's he's at his brother's funeral, and his dad turns around and tell and tells him, "This it should have been you." And he wakes up with a start. And Chris is next to him, and they start chatting and talk about. He, he, this is where he starts saying that, you know what, you could do a college course. Maybe come come with me. Maybe to yeah. work work and do a course. And so that way, you know, you you, you can maybe, you know, get a career. And But he says, look, I'm one of the low-life Chambers kids. Sort of, um, he, he, he knows his, his papers have sort of been marked already. Yeah. And then the subject of the milk money comes up. No one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. What, what, what we hear uh, just after that is that he, he says, yeah, maybe I took it, but maybe I gave it back. So the implication here is that he gave it back to a teacher. He yeah. sort of felt guilty. And the teacher went and he spent it on, a, on a fancy skirt. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. So and th- this really affects Chris as well. Just never thought. I never thought the teacher. Oh, get the fuck anyway. <laughs> I just wish that I could go someplace where nobody knows me. Mm. Yeah, that's so hard. That, was, mate, that, that scene too. Um, River Phoenix described it later that he's, he said, Rob Reiner sat him down and goes, right, this is a scene. We need you to cry. So think of something that upset you. He kind of trained him in the moment here. And that's that's genuine. That that was him. Great piece of acting. Yeah, yeah. In that take. So I um, mean, mate, you got to. He's we'll a talk, kid. He's a 13-year-old. I was just going to say, we'll talk about it more maybe. But, mate, these kids were unbelievable. Un, I don't care how long you – I don't care if they've trained as actors since they were two. They've still had to pull off yeah. emotion, laughter, relationship, yeah. the chemistry. So many things. Them, yeah. Man, they absolutely did so brilliant. well. So well. So ne- next morning we see Gordy's up and about and he sees a deer. Jafrate woke up the other guys and it was on the tip of my tongue to tell them about the deer. But I didn't. That was the one thing I kept to myself. I've always wondered in, the, yeah. in many, many, many times I've watched this movie – why did he decide that keeping that to himself was important? Well, why? I often wonder that. Yeah, I, I, so I thought about the, the same thing. The moment he had to himself. You know? And, and I, in my mind, it's, it's more about because he's a storyteller, um, I think a lot of his life comes out in his stories, right? Because he writes these beautiful stories. His brother said that. The silly pie-eating contest, there might be some, some level of truth in it, right? And so everything in his life becomes a part of a story. But what he wanted was this one thing that he would take with him for himself. And yeah. this, and and see, the critical thing is a spoiler alert. You know, he's 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 obviously uh, as an adult, he's now writing the story down, um, because of a tragic incident. And so this is his time to share. 
because yeah. it was the first time he shared it. Yeah, since that right. moment. Yeah. It, it makes it makes this piece of writing that Gordy's doing as an adult more heartfelt and more important and more personal too. Yeah, correct. So yeah. we're uh, so they're on their way towards the Royal River, and he said, he, I think he says, like seeing this kid's dead body is be, becoming an ex- obsession. So they they then decide to cut across the field so they could be there within the hour. Uh, the next thing we see is Ace has been told about Ray Brower's body. So the secret's out. Yep. Uh, they they sort of try to – they've got to work out a story because, look, if we tell them how we got there, then about the stolen car. Which is where, which is where you realise Ace is a good leader, right? Because he's got this – he's put the fishing rods in the car. He's like, we'll just say we were fishing and we came across it. Like, he's he's a, he's a, he's a born leader in, in a thug way, but he's a born leader. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. So the uh, we cut back to the boys going through uh, the woods – and they come across this little body of water that they think is pretty shallow. It's a good they bit. He gets the stick out. out. He puts it in. Out. He goes, it's fine. And my, fa- like, I'm watching it going, oh, that's smart. Good, get the stick out. And then he throws the stick. And I'm like, what would you throw the stick away? And then the next <laughs> thing they step, and it's the, you know, it's the deep Ball. end. They fall right into the into the water. Now, I do have a little bit of some notes on this scene as well. Yeah. Pond that they fall into was man-made. So oh. they, they, they made the pool. So they, the crew said, look, we're going to make the pool here so it's, it's safer, right? But apparently Corey Feldman, in, a, in an interview about the movie Years Down the Track, he said that, at the, yeah, they built the pool, they buried it there, filled it with water, but they did that in the beginning of June, but they didn't film the scene till the end of August. So God knows what was in that water. So we sort of defeated the purpose of having it. So they were a little bit, a little bit scared. But um, the leeches, though, were fake. As right. real as they looked, they were fake. They were molded latex, stuck on with uh, with a, like a bit of glue. Um, and what happened though? The oh, boys... man, that's, this is this is a moment that every 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 person freaks out about. But then every man goes, "Oh no!" They've all got their reggies on, and he just looks down. And he goes, "Oh yes. no." Gordy looks down. And, and it's goes, the, oh. the, the hardest part isn't actually ripping the the leech out of his reggies. It's actually that he, then he pulls his hand out and it's just covered blood in blood. Know. And yeah, you know your imagination is just running wild there, yeah. and you're thinking, oh, he, faints, so he he collapses then as well. He yeah, faints, yeah. and uh, so yeah. But and again, it's a great moment because you've now got a kid who's fainted. He wakes up. He's sitting by a tree, and they're they're all talking about, okay, we got to go. Like we got to take him back. And so, despite their fascination for this dead body, despite the fact that they've spent 24 hours, you know, heading there. They're willing to turn around for a mate, and I think that's the critical thing here. They're willing to turn back on their goal to look after a mate. Teddy, Teddy was saying, "Guys, why should we turn back?" I think Chris's line was, "He just had a leech hanging from his balls. Come on!" And then yeah. Gordy's the one who pipes up and says, "Stop it!" He goes, "No, I'm not going back." So he yeah. speaks up for himself and says, <clears> "Right, <throat> we're not, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to go back." Cut to Ace in his car, and just got just shows what a sort of how deranged this bloke is. Uh, he's racing against another car. He's on the wrong side of the road. Car Truck's coming towards him, plays chicken with the truck, doesn't yep. budge. Doesn't flinch. Does not flinch. The truck runs off the road, spills its load. So that just says to us that Ace is this cold-blooded, this, this hooligan yeah, who he's alert. doesn't do anything. So yep. you think, shit, well, what can we expect here? So next is the, the boys arrive at Harlow, the back Harlow Road, and they said, righto, let's look for him. None of us could breathe. Somewhere under those bushes was the rest of Ray Brower. 
And so they they go down there and they they I think the line that he says he goes this kid wasn't sleeping he wasn't hurt this kid was dead mm. so this was really and and Gordy then has a moment here as well remember where Gordy says why do you, why did he have to die why why and then he sort of has the moment too where he says look it should have been me and Chris sort of comforts him saying look yeah, don't say that and then he's crying that he says my father hates me and. Chris literally becomes his shoulder to cry on. Yeah, and this is the moment where it all kind of comes rushing to Gordy because Gordy has had flashbacks of uh, the funeral. Um, he's he 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 says at some oh. point he didn't didn't cry at the funeral, and so he's now looking at a dead body as if he's looking at his brother, yeah. and he's thinking because he actually says, "Why did Denny have to die? It should have been me." And it's man, it's a real it's an impact moment for Gordy. You know, it's a it's yeah. a realization of all the things that he's been. It's all the emotions that have been bottled up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Time. They all come out at this, at this one time. But you know, Chris assures me, he goes, look, you're going to be a great writer. And he goes, maybe you can write about us one day, which is what he's ex- exactly what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. And, um, but we see Ace has turned up. Some bitch. My little brother. He wasn't planning on taking the body from us, was you, boys? You get away, man. We found him. We got dibs. We better start running, eyeball. They got dibs. (laughs) We earned you, man. You guys came in a car. That's not fair. He's ours. So they're arguing over... It's a a very strange argument, really, isn't it? Firstly, I found it strange that they've decided to find this body... And they're going to carry him out? Like, what What are you planning to do here, yeah, boys? I think Gordy says, oh, let's build him a stretcher or something. They yeah, say, and it's like, wow, that was your plan all along? It's a very strange thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because you think about it, right, my thought was, why are you carrying him out? You don't know that Ace and the boys are coming. So you could just leave him here, go home, and tell the cops that you found him. Yeah. Like, you don't need to carry his body out. So yeah, of course. There's, a, there's a whole strange thing there going on. But, um, but it's full on because you've got this kind of real solid interaction between Ace and the boys. I think Vern. Yeah. Uh, they work out that Vern was on the porch, so Vern runs away. But then, um, yeah, Ace Ace pulls a knife though. You see, he comes at him with a knife. Come on, Chris, it's split. They're not taking him. Man, this is crazy. They're not taking him. He's got a knife, man. Ace, come on, man. You're gonna have to kill me, Ace. No problem. You're not taking him. Nobody's taking him. Come on, kid. Just give me the gun before you take your foot off. You ain't got the sack to shoot a woodchuck. Move, Ace. I'll kill you, I swear to God. Come on, Lachance. Give me the gun. You must have at least some of your brother's good sense. Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. <laughs> it's another great, great line, line from the great kids. line. Because the thing about that line <laughs> is, right, it's not just a great line. It's not just a great line to Ace, but it's a great line to Ace in front of his mates. You yeah. see, look, this is this is embarrassing to Ace. Ace is this, you know, thug leader, and here's this 12, 13-year-old kid who's just absolutely smashed him verbally 
in front of his he mates. He also so says, too, he says, what are you going to shoot us all? He goes, no, just you. I'm going to just shoot just you, I swear to God. So it's so he backs so. off. He goes, we're going, to, we're going to get you for this. But no, yeah, what, what you know, he, he tells them they're going, to, you know, there's, they're going to be enemies forever. But and, the, and they leave. Ace's team leaves. The boys decide, well, I think Gordy essentially is now the leader. He decides we're not going to take the body. We're going to cover him up. So he gets out a blanket. They cover it up. And I think they yeah. say they end up making an anonymous call. And, and that's how the police find yeah. it. So they head home, and I think they say, "Look, we headed home. We we barely spoke. The yeah. town when we got back to town, it seemed smaller, different than when we left." They all go their separate ways, and I, I do. I love the fact that Vern and uh, and Teddy. Uh, I think Teddy says to Chris, "You know, no hard feelings," and yeah, they, he, he describes the fact that we saw less and less of Teddy and Vern, but then that he he gives a little recap of what they got up to afterwards. As time went on, we saw less and less of Teddy and Vern until eventually they became just two more faces in the halls. It happens sometimes. Friends come in and out of your life like busboys in a restaurant. I heard that Vern got married out of high school, had four kids, and is now the forklift operator at the Arsenault Lumberyard. Teddy tried several times to get into the army, but his eyes and his ear kept him out. Last I'd heard, he'd spent some time in jail and was now doing odd jobs around Castle Rock. So we... Sign to see, see the summary there, and and Chris, mm. I think, is is at a point now where he says, "Look, I'm never going to get out of this town." He's really lamenting the fact that he's kind of stuck here, and but, um, we discover that he enrolled in a college course and became a lawyer, and then we find out what happened to him. Chris did get out. He enrolled in the college courses with me, and although it was hard, he gutted it out like he always did. He went on to college and eventually became a lawyer. Last week, he entered a fast food restaurant. Just ahead of him, two men got into an argument. One of them pulled a knife. Chris, who had always made the best piece, tried to break it up. He was stabbed in the throat. He died almost instantly. So that was the newspaper article from the very start of... Yeah, the- and this is, the, this is the one that grabbed me at the very start, because I read the headline, Attorney Chris, Christopher Chambers Fatally Stabbed in Restaurant, but I didn't actually connect till the very end that that was Christopher Chambers like do you know what I mean because when you're watching a movie like this you don't remember names you don't yeah. not all that comes to well mate, I don't anyway and it's um yeah because the, the article I've, I've got in front of me says late yesterday while standing in line at a local restaurant attorney Christopher Chambers found himself attempting to break up a heated argument between two men ahead of him and it's like it's just yeah, yeah so it hits you in the guts that part of the movie it really Absolutely does right. yeah so we next thing we see is sort of cut back to the present day, and there's Gordy as a grown up at his computer writing the story. Yeah. You can see him finishing off, and it's, sit I laughed a lot here, to be honest, because Jackson was sitting with me, and these, you know, his, his kid and his mate come in. He go, "We going yet?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, just a minute." And, he, and, they, and his mate goes, "He said that ago." Minutes ago. <laughs> um, and and I just and and I kind of laughed knowingly because that's exactly what happens as a parent, you know, you yeah. You know, the little little white lies or the little um little things that you you do wrong as a parent. It's kind of it's it's also a poignant thing where you go actually you don't realize how much those things impact on your kids. And, Absolutely, you yeah. know how important that is. But well, the, yeah. his son says to us something like, you know, he gets like this when he's writing. So he, yeah. you can he's obviously a full time writer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he mentions the fact that he is I never ever when I when I was twelve I never ever in my life had friends as like that ever again. So ever again. that was yeah, kind of the, the last of the line in his in his in yeah. his story, isn't it? It was great, but Oof. what was also great, a lot, a lot of great lines, a lot of cool little lines that they throw out here, especially like a lot of good insults, including this one. Shut up. I don't shut up. Shut up. I, I grow, grow up. up. And, and when I look, look at you, I throw up. up. 
And then your mother goes around the corner and she licks it up. <laughs> That's awesome. No, no, the next one, this this honestly, this, this had me and me. me and Jacko in yes. hysterics. This is really interesting. Mickey's a mouse, Donald's a duck, Pluto's a dog. What's Goofy? He's a dog. He's definitely a dog. He can't be a dog. He wears a hat and drives a car. That's weird. What the hell is Goofy? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great line. And you remember this is, don't forget, this is set in the 50s. So they're yeah, uh, yeah. Having, having a good old smoke was something they enjoyed as well. Nothing like a smoke after a meal. Yeah. I cherish these moments. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a really good insult. Uh, I think Chris hits, uh, throw, throws at Teddy. Come on, come on, come on, Teddy. Act your age. This is my age. I'm in the prime of my youth. And I'll only be young once. Yeah, but you're going to be stupid for the rest of your life. <laughs> Great with the one liners, eh? How good. Well, yeah, I had a bunch of mates like that growing up where we'd, we'd, we'd ping, we'd zing each other like that all the time. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. awesome. It reminded me, honestly, it reminded me of my youth when I was uh, knocking about with my mates. But this is the other one uh, after, after the showdown with Ace. Suck my fat one. Whoever told you had a fat one a chance. Biggest one in four counties. <laughs> <laughs> Such a teenage boy thing to say. Absolutely right. Now, you got any plot holes? Like, I'm, I'm sort of. There's one little book v movie. I'm gonna. Honestly, the only thing was that was the bridge, which I the talked bridge. about earlier. Yeah, okay. I just we, felt we like. That. Yeah. I okay. just felt like it. It was a. It was an important scene because of how climactic it was, but it also was felt with a bit of disbelief from me. Yeah, I think it sort of t- had a bit of. Uh, Took a bit of departure from reality, a little bit, little bit of license they yeah. had there. But the main difference between the book and the movie, so the body in in the book before the end of the book, Chris, Teddy, and Vern uh, all are all killed. So the I don't mean in in the actual time when they were together, but oh, uh, right. when they were they, they were they die. Uh, not much later. So than, he's the last one left, and yeah, he's this the is only one alive. Right. Gordy's the only one alive. So in the movie, it's only Chris dies. Remember, we, we talk about he talks yeah. about Teddy and Vern sort of getting married, or Vern. I think gets it's married better. I think it's a better way to do it because you know it's more real that you know Vern just kind of disappears, becomes a forklift driver, and yeah, he's this and that, and. You know, Chris, you want to elevate Chris outside of the town, which is what he yeah. needed to do. Well, no, in the the book though, like because Vern and Teddy were were already dead when he wrote the story, and it's when the story was written after the news of Chris being killed. So yeah. it was a, a nice little uh, little full stop there. Uh, things you might not know, mate. Um, the the novella and the film take place in the town of Castle Rock, which I mentioned, which is in in Maine. And then Oregon, respectively. Mm-hmm. Castle Rock was then, I told you, the name of Rob Reiner's production company. Uh, initially, uh, River Phoenix auditioned for the part of Gordy, so the the part that Will Wheaton was uh, was playing. River Phoenix thought well, that's the role, but Ro- dire- director Rob Reiner thought, you know what, no, you'd be better cast as Chris Chambers, and mate, he absolutely nailed that. No, I don't, yeah. The film takes place the from September the fourth till September the sixth. 1959, and in September 1985. So the when he's an adult, he's writing about this in 1985, looking back at the time of his life when he was a kid in 1959. Now, the name of this movie, right, is based on a song, Stand By Me. And it was one of a few films whose titles 
were and the, and the song that the film was named after is played during the end credits. The trend became really popular in the eighties. The other the other movies were Stand by Me, which is what we just talked about, Stand and Deliver, Lean on Me, Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman, I Girl, and There Goes My Baby. So these are all movies yeah. that were they were their own movie, of course, but they were named after a song. See, I like the way that the Stand by Me was just this subtle, like even in that one of those last audio clips, it was just dun, dun, like yeah. it was just subtly there. It was really nice. But I think ap- apart from Pretty Woman, it's about a pretty woman. The other, this movie, the songs about what happened to the movie, they stood that's by right. each other. Uh, that's obviously. why I think it's a great title. Yeah. It's how, it's how I, three, three, four mates stood together, stood by each other. Stood by, absolutely right. Uh, I agree. I agree. Now, um, we we spoke about the the achievement of the, having these great actors together and Rob Reiner in in the numerous interviews that the movie is more than thirty five years old now. Uh, all, all the actors and Rob Reiner have given several interviews over the years and Rob Reiner, they how he, he reckons the success of the movie was selecting these young actors. And no doubt, basically he said the the secret source was finding four young boys who were basically playing themselves. They were playing themselves yeah. on screen. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the challenge. He said, finding the actors that possess the insecurities and the passions and the anger of their characters. So Rob Reiner, absolute genius job there. Now, um, did you notice, Trev, did you notice when you uh, – and you, I think you did pause on the article because you did read it mm. about Chris's death yeah. and that the headline – and only the opening paragraph related to the story. Did you yeah, read? Yeah, I did because I looked it up afterwards. And I'm going. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So the second paragraph was about like land tax or something. Something totally not related. Shown of the to fact you. that the menace from within the peace residents feel that they've yeah. taken advantage of ever since tax laws go. Like it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. So it's kind of. Uh, the, I don't think in the, done... in the Oregonian on Wednesday, yeah. September yeah. four. So I think in 1986 they didn't realise that in the future they're going to have the technology that gives you a really good pause, so yeah. you can pause it really clearly. Yeah. I don't think they realised that back then. Now, when the boys added up all their money, yeah. uh, what was your remember the dollar amount? Two dollars, two dollars thirty-seven or something, right? Now, the number two three seven appears in a few of Stephen King's stories. Uh, you know, uh, in Shawshank Redemption, yeah. What was Red's cell number? Oh, two three seven. In The Shining, in the movie, the room number was two three seven. These are all Stephen King stories, you've got to remember. Um, now, the character Ray Brower, during the Lardass retelling, you can actually see him in that scene. He's in, the, he's in it. Oh, really? He's standing behind the twins. There's two twin girls. He's standing behind the tw- – two twin boys. He's standing behind them. <laughs> he's actually in it. So if you want to look back – because remember, you do get a look at his face well, yes. when they find him. So, yeah. This is another thing that did you notice that kind of bothers me too that the the writer, Gordy, as an adult, didn't – do you reckon he saved what he just wrote? Did he hit save on that? Because <laughs> yeah, he just he goes and turns off it monitor? off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you reckon that uh, – so that wouldn't have lost his work. He just turned the monitor off. Yeah, I think he turned the monitor off. Yeah. So – wrong with that? Yeah. I also, think... so, also, word processors of the day, I'm pretty sure yeah. they were Did just they processing into a file. Did they have function? Yeah, I think it's, it's more of a – you know, it's writing directly to disk – yeah, so you had to write it to a floppy disk or something, didn't you? Yeah. In 1985. Were there floppy disks in 1985? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. 
you were making websites back then, mate? Or no, that was young? 95, mate. 95. Okay, so you're a bit young. All right, then. Well, mate, that's I was the six end years of... old when this, this, ten years old when this movie came out. You kidding? Good luck. How old were you? Eighteen. All right. No, oh, what? Oh, yes, I was actually. I was eighteen in 1986, You dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been hanging out together, mate. You would have, <laughs> I would have been ace bashing you up. I would have it's been the exactly. It's actually remarkable oh. that we are now. Quite frankly, it's a story of Gordy and Ace to get together and do podcasts. Yeah, I think that might be. Yeah, it's called. Um, don't stand, stand by the microphone. Yeah, that's funny. Righto, mate. What's your wrap-up and your rating for this one? I love this. It's a great – it's an eight and a half for me, maybe a nine. Um, loved it. It's a good movie. Um, it's not really – it's not super-duper rewatchable, but it's a nice one to just watch. Like you said, when it's on TV or when you've got nothing, you just want to chill. Oh, yeah, I loved it. It's a good movie. It's, it's going to stand the test of time too. That's the other thing about this movie. This will – You'll look back on this, and it'll, it's a great little time capsule because it's not actually much it doesn't fiction age in it. it there's, not, not there's not age. a lot of fiction yeah. in it about the time, and so it's actually a time capsule of that late 50s. You know what I mean? Okay. Loved well, it. Well, great. That's Stand By Me. Loved it. Oh, mate, I, I, it's a little, like I said, it's a little gem. It's a, it's a favourite of mine that I love to watch every now and again. But let's look forward to next week, Trev. Ooh, next week, okay. <laughs> we've got a sports movie. Called Friday Night Lights. Now, here's your millionaire quiz question. Okay. Is what sport are we talking about in Friday Night Lights? Is it A, baseball? B, hockey? C, football? Or D, lacrosse? (laughs) There's no way it's lacrosse. Okay. Okay. If it was baseball, I. And if if it's baseball, I'm a failure as a parent because. Uh We love baseball in this house. We should have watched it. So I'm tipping football, as in NFL, American football. That's correct. It is. It's uh, Friday Night Lights is a story about the, uh, the a Texas college team, a high school team, based on a true story. So it's a brilliant book written by Buzz Bissinger, and they turned that amazing book, the sports book, into a film. Uh, it's got Billy Bob Thornton. It's a, it's a great Great sports movie, one of my favourites. Made more recently, it was only made a few years ago. So, looking forward to sharing that with you on the next episode of the best movies you've never seen. And with special, let's give a special thanks too to our great sponsors, Fetch. If you want to look for the movies that we're talking about, you can do that on Fetch. And of course, if you want to watch it in the great quality, both video and audio quality, make sure you watch it on a high sense TV. See you next week. See you then, buddy. <laughs>